And I'm Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak, your source for bi-weekly Sailor Moon crystal discussion and analysis. Remember to keep supporting the official releases of the show so we can get more by watching it every first and third Saturday on Hulu, Crunchyroll, Nico Nico, and other fine sites. Uh, this week we are discussing Sailor Moon Crystal Act 18, Invasion Sailor Venus, in our episode awkwardly titled, for some reason, Vibrating Hearts, because I just couldn't think of anything better. Minako's attack that she used for the first time uh, this episode. Are all her attacks, like, almost slightly sexually themed in their names? Venus. Yeah, well, I know Venus, so... Yeah. I mean, uh, a a little sense. bit, kind of, yeah. Love is, like, they all have... Everyone has their elements, and then Minako just has love. Her yeah. element is love. Yeah, that's interesting. And can, can we take a minute and talk about the, uh, um, the theme song? Yes. Uh, until I listen to the uh, English version that 18 Mop Top is the name of uh, the lady who did the, um, oy, the lyrics for the English version of it. Um, until I listen to that, I didn't really get, even though in the opening it shows all the girls, like, you know, there as it's going through yeah. the different things. I didn't realize it was, like, referencing their element, basically. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> That's... Like, and I feel really dumb. As they come up. Yeah, I feel really dumb for that now. Um... I don't but, think I got it the first time I watched it. Like, I've never got it. I think I was really distracted. Like, the first couple times, I think I was just really distracted by the uh, by Moon Pride visually and how emotional I kept getting right. during it. Yeah. And then, and, but then I'm like, oh, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got that focus was being put on them, but I thought, like, oh, they're just, you know, showing all the girls off because, like, these are going to be our characters. But no, it all relates, and, like, everybody kind of is centered around Usagi, and it works. I mean, that's the way the show works out, but it's just, yeah. like, it's such a well-constructed theme song, and, um... Like it I, really is. I've been getting emotional listening to it in the car. So, like, when my daughter and I go out to Home Depot or whatever, um, she'll, oh, can we play Blue Pride? And sure, yeah, yeah, let me put it on. And she she likes both versions, but it's cool because, like, she's singing a little bit. She remembers the lyrics from the English version. And, like, it's so sweet to hear her talking about, you know, um, you know, the fire bur- fire burning in her eyes or whatever. And it's just, like, it's so cool. Um, that's, that's so sweet. Yeah, and, like, not until... I, I was hearing it in English, should I really get, like, the full impact of it? And I've totally teared up, you know, in my car, grown man and everything. Like, it's just funny. Um, but it's just, like, it's a really touching song, and it's, like, really cool. Um, yeah. So, kudos I mean, to we're 18 original. episodes in, and I'm still crying every week during <laughs> Moon Pride. Yeah, and kudos to the original, uh, like, composer and writer, because, like, even just, like, the rock of it is amazing. Yeah. I love the guitar and just, it's a great song and 18 mopped off too. Her, her translation of it's re- really good or, or um, like Englishification of it is really great. So, yeah. kudos. Um, yeah, well, well done everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, well, here we go. Um, straight into the meat and veggies we go. Actually, we detoured into it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so, um, Minako feels responsible for not protecting Jupiter. And, I mean, by by Minako standards, that's really reasonable. I mean, she's the leader. Uh, she's kind. Of, she's been the leader since the Silver Millennium, and she's kind of she's known that even before she joined up with everyone. So now she's like the last one standing. When she probably feels like she should have been right up front. Like why I didn't protect any of them 
when I'm their leader, if anyone had to go down, it should have been me. So she's kind of got this really heavy survivor's guilt going that makes her a little irrational in this episode. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's interesting, too, that she continues to survive in this episode. Yeah. And, um, I was really shocked by that. I thought for sure she was going to go down, too, but... Uh, I, hopefully the ramifications of that will be really good in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, in the base, the what's their headquarters called? Yeah. Moon base is what I've called it in the past, but this is cool. I Central Command. That's what they've been. That's what it's called. Oh. That took me a minute. Uh, I don't know why they call it that, but they do. Hmm. All right. Um. So in there, Mamoru says that uh, he's sure Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter are alive somehow. Yeah, and I mean, it's some combination of faith in the three of them and their strength, and then trying to comfort Usagi and Minako, who are really, really shaken by this. I wish there was some kind of, like, grounds for him to back it up. I mean, I know there's really no way he can... He doesn't know where they are or what took them, but I mean, it would just be really interesting if he had some kind of sign that at least he mentally, maybe if he wasn't even fully aware of it, but something that he could go on. Just given the way that, like, premonitions and feelings work within the constructs of Sailor Moon. Hmm. Alright, let's see. Uh, Venus is furious at the idea that they're being toyed with and says regardless of who Black Moon are, they should uh, just ask Chibiusa to find out more about this mysterious enemy. Yeah, I again, that's more of Minako's survivor's guilt kind of going in like, I don't care that this is a six-year-old, we gotta save them. And I mean, Minako can be really sweet and fun, but when it's time for business, she gets down to it and she gets things done. And with how much they've lost in the past three episodes, she doesn't have time to worry about this kid's feelings anymore. Yeah, it's funny, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I was just thinking, like, well, yeah, you should go ask her, but the point that she is a child is, uh, I guess, it got a little lost on me um, because of the weight of the circumstances. So yeah. I, I get I get what she's feeling. Um, let's see. Okay, uh, at the Skinoa house, uh, Chibu says a friend over. Minako gets friendly and asks to play with them, which is totally a ploy. Um, oh, yeah, she she does the whole ominous, like, shadow eyes thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, so everything's going well until Chibusa sees the um, malefic black crystal earring Mamoru is holding and freaks out. Yeah, uh, back in the first series, Momo herself, I would swear, did some time traveling. Because her age sort of jumps around through various seasons. Uh, I mean, Chibiusa's age kind of varies between the first time she shows up and the second time she shows up for very specific reasons. But Momo is a normal girl and should not have her age jumping around the way Chibiusa's did. But um, back to the the earring, why did no one think that would freak her out? I mean, any even mention of Black Moon or what's going on at all has gotten this same reaction from her. Why did Mamoru even bring that with him? Weren't Luna and Artemis going to be analyzing it? They really did not think that one through. Why did you bring that home with you? Yeah, the fact that Mamoru has it is something that really threw me off, and it even throws me off for stuff that happens later in the episode, and I can only 
assume that it ties into, uh, I don't know, some of the weird stuff going on with him. Uh, so, um, we get um, some name drops uh, in the beginning of the episode of the, uh, I guess in like Black Moon Base or whatever. Um, yeah. Esmerad, which is the, you know, the, the other lady. Yeah, the, the Emerald. lady who hasn't done anything yet. Right. Um, uh, so we get her name, and then we get the the name of the planet Nemesis, which is where, uh, like the Malefic Black Crystal came from it somehow, and yeah. it's the source of their strength. Yeah. Okay. So it is Esmerad, which I'm thinking of that Emerald from Magic Knight Rare Earth, and that is why I keep thinking her name is Emerald because there is only one more letter in there, and they're basically the same name. Right. Uh, but man, Nemesis. That's not an ominous name. This big, black, glowing, red, dead planet. That's, that's a good place to ha- hang out. Who names a planet Nemesis? I don't know. A fanboy? That's the only thing I could think. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, the the crystal came from somewhere in there. Hmm. Big, dead, black planet. That's interesting. It reminds me of um, the fifth element when they first encounter the like dark evil force or whatever in the beginning of the movie. Um, it looks very much like that. I don't know if you've seen that, but for the people, who, listeners who have seen it, they'll they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I know the movie, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a lot of movies that I should have, so... Yeah, it, it's like this black, glowing, pulsating, cracking thing. And it's, Big, giant, evil planet. Yeah, basically. So, I thought that was interesting. Just you look at this, and this is bad. <laughs> exactly. Great, great visual uh, language in there. Yes. Saffir, the prince's little brother, says that Demand has already damaged the Earth, and they should stop wasting time and energy on it. Prince Demand says he won't stop until he sees Earth's ruler dead. Uh, Wiseman appears <laughs> and says that uh, the Malefic Black Crystal is vulnerable to the legendary Silver Crystal, and that they must use the Malefic Black Crystal to crush the legendary Silver Crystal. Only then will they be invincible. Sapphire also isn't wearing the earrings. The other three all are, but he isn't. He doesn't seem to have it on him anywhere, actually, and I think that's a a thing we should keep a note of in our pocket. Uh, From what I remember, Sapphire's a pretty interesting guy. He has a pretty interesting character arc. But man, Demand is creepy. (laughs) I did not even... All all of my skeevy Demand feelings are coming right back. (laughs) It's interesting. I didn't even realize that he wasn't wearing the earrings, but now that I think about it, you're right. He isn't. So, and everybody else has been. Yep. Hmm. Very, very it's interesting. A, it's a thing we should remember for later. Yeah, especially because of my feelings about Wiseman now. Yeah. Huh. Um, by the way, when you watched Wizard and you found out that the you know bad guy was Wiseman, did that like trigger all sorts of things for you? <laughs> oh man, they're called they. Well, they were calling him Wise Man from from the beginning. Uh, like, he was Wise Man. There was Wise Man and White Wizard, and we all knew they were the same person, but they kept calling him Wise Man, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's not even slightly ominous. This hasn't gone horribly wrong in my life before. Right. It, it was all just throwbacks to this. Yeah, I'm wondering... This is all I can think of. I'm sensing that there might be a trend here with a, a dual identity also, um... But uh, I guess we'll just see about that. Or I'll see about that. You already know. Haven't we brought up Wizard in relation to Sailor Moon before? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I know when we did our, our Wizard Magic Land commentary, we brought up Sailor Moon a bit, I think, too. 
Yeah, I know uh, my reaction to his final form was basically he just, like, was, it was literally the scene at the end of Dark Kingdom where Usagi cries out the legendary silver crystal. That's exactly how he got his final form. Huh. Okay. Exact, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Haruto. Haruto's. Yeah, you're that's right. That's how Haruto got Infinity. Yeah, that's totally true. So I'm, just, I'm wondering if... I, who, no. even, who wrote Wizard? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Did they just have... Are they tied to Sailor Moon in some way. I mean, they are both Toei. Right. No, I, now I remember in the Wizard Magic Land commentary, you, um, speaking of Haruto, you said, uh, he usagi his final form. Yeah, that's what, that's what he did. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exactly great. That's what he did. He usagi his <laughs> final form, which is, like, that was such an emotional scene in Wizard, and it just took me right out of it, because I'm like, you completely ripped this off from Sailor Moon. 100%. It's a good so thing I mean, to rip he, off, he's got, Yeah, I mean, it is. But, like, he's got Koyomi, and she's hurt or whatever. I don't even remember. But it's the exact same scene. Yeah, totally. Man, that's funny. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, past the earrings. Okay, so Rubius and Esmeralda discussed the fact that Wiseman just appeared suddenly and began influencing the prince, uh, giving him ideas about the legendary civil crystal, and even giving him a powerful and unbeatable evil sight ability, I'm assuming. Yeah, it seems to be some kind of psychic thing, given the visual depiction of the third eye. I don't remember exactly what it is, though. Probably something really creepy. Uh, but, I mean, with that backstory, it's honestly a wonder anyone trusts Wiseman. I mean, creepy floating formless guy pops into your living room gives your prince a third eye, and y'all just roll with that. Not weird, even slightly. Hey, stranger things have happened. Maybe they thought he was, like, a wayward uncle that had come back or something. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he's he is the only one in the room not named after a gemstone. This is true. It was, so. Which I guess is an obvious indicator that he's a, a foreign entity, but um, yeah. I guess that the, the revelation of that, uh, to me, was a little bit of a surprise, but I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, that could just be a thing they call him and not his name. I mean, that's, you could just assume that. But yeah, he's from Lord Only Knows Where. We'll find out. Right. Things will things will come around. I, I, I'm thinking the Underworld, but that's all I'll say. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Rubius wants to find out who Wiseman really is and claims he emasculated the prince. And, like, that's what the Hulu sub said, and it's, like, yeah. really confusing. I don't think that's the right word. Entranced seems like it probably would be, but I have not studied nearly enough to be able to translate that sentence and parse that properly myself. I'm still pretty sure that's a summing mistake because that's not what that word means. So I'm pretty sure emasculated is not the right word there. Unless Wiseman is a woman, that's the only way I can think that it legitimizes it. But that, I don't know. It must be a mistake. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Calaveras, which if you don't know, that means skull in Spanish. Um, it also has to do with, like, the skull, um, like artistic depictions, candies, and, and little carvings that are associated with the Mexican Day of the Dead. Um, so, there you go. Um, she's the medium She's the medium of the four Spectre Sisters, uh, which doesn't mean she's not large or small. Uh, it's about channeling the dead, you know, or being psychic. Um, she says she'll borrow her sister's power to defeat the Sailor Guardians. How in the world did I not remember her name was Calaveras? Because that's a heck of a name. 
I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> She's really interesting, though, because at the beginning of all of this, she would have been the weakest of the four of them. Because there's no dead people. Or at least no dead people that she's, like, got to use. Right. But now at this point, with all three of them down, she would be the strongest since she can summon all of them. So she also seems to be the most emotional of the four since she's the only one we've seen kind of grieve openly. I mean, Cone really, we didn't have a chance for her to grieve over anything. Right. So for all we know, but... She was the one who, only one who seemed really sad about it. Yeah, you know what you said last time we recorded, which actually was last week, um, about these being sisters and like there being real, you know, their feelings between them and grief. Um, like really opened my eyes, I think, to seeing how distraught she was and how like she really is in mourning for her sisters. And she happens to just fuel that, like, use that hurt to fuel her power to, to take out the Sailor Guardians. Yeah. I mean, uh, kind of the bond that's between them is a bit more present in the first series, again, because this is, this, the thing with the Spectre Sisters is more than four episodes long. So there's more time to draw that out and kind of give them that emotion. But it it was... I did think it was nice that they managed to get that in there and make it very clear that these are actual blood sisters, not just kind of metaphoric, like, that's just what we call our group. Right, yeah. We're, we're, we're all arm candy for this dude, so we call ourselves sisters. So yeah, I mean, not, not that, like, uh, not that blood always determines family, I mean... There are people who are have friends close enough that they consider them sisters, and that's just as valid. Of course. Uh, I just want to correct my wording there. But, I mean, just, they're more than just sisters in name. Right. There is a real emotional bond there. Right. And yeah, and you can assume that they grew up together, and yeah. there's all those connections because of that. Um, okay, so uh, Mamoru comforts and protects Chibi-Usa as Minako and Usagi are trying to get any information out of her regarding Black Moon. She almost says something about her mother, but stops. Usagi tells her that her refusal to cooperate will drive a wedge between them and leaves upset. I feel really bad for both of them here. I mean, Chibs is scared. She knows she's done something wrong, and that she's responsible to some degree for what's going on, but she doesn't know how to fix it, and she doesn't want to get in trouble, as any little kid who does something they know they shouldn't, they don't want to get in trouble. So she's denying that she was involved in this. But she doesn't have the power to bring Ami, Rei, and Mako back. She has no ability to fight. So she's scared. And But, man, this wound cuts deep for Usagi. The pe- these are the people that are closest to her, and they've all been taken. I mean, she didn't have as much time to bond with Minako as she did with the other three. Whereas Ami, she had Ami by her from the beginning. Uh, Rei is really the one she's closest with. Uh, Makoto, she's also very close with and really helped open Makoto up. And she has no way of knowing if they're okay or if they're even alive. And now she knows that the Black Moon is openly brainwashing people. So she doesn't really have any choice but to throw down this ultimatum. (sighs) 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a heavy scene, and like Mamoru being stuck in the middle of them is a really difficult thing, and it, it again brings to mind the um, like teen parent thing that I brought up last week, um, because in a partnership, um, sometimes uh, there aren't neutral. You know, one person is usually. Well, it's hard to say. Sometimes you you fall out of sync, and one person is more correct than the other about something, or or is more clear-headed about things, and you have to calm down. And uh, you know, hopefully, somebody is the rock all the time, and can anchor you and bring you back from doing something you'll regret. And I think um, Usagi really regrets the interaction that she had with uh, Chibiusa here. And um, I mean, good on Mamoru. He it's interesting. He kind of gets almost a starring role in this episode, as much as um, there's a lot of focus on Calaveras and, and Minako. Um, yeah. So, moving on. Uh, Artemis and Venus see Calaveras on TV. She is saying that people from the White Moon uh, will bring destruction, but the Black Moon people will help protect Earth. She plans to hold a public channeling, and Venus vows to stop her and reveal the Black Moon's plans. Yeah, Minako doesn't have time for anyone's nonsense today. Um, I honestly don't know how she thought this plan would work, running up to possessed people and telling them to stop, like, being mind-controlled. I, I don't know why she thought that would work. Minako, you should know better. Yeah, it's a good um, question. Props to Artemis for thinking quickly and knocking over that TV camera before uh, she could mind-control people watching her on television. Yeah, that was so cool. Artemis, Artemis gets things done. I mean, he he and Minako were fighting before anyone else. Minako didn't have anyone, didn't have other soldiers to fight with her, so Artemis had to step in sometimes. So he's he's willing to do things. Whereas uh, Luna's a little, Luna's kind of more back on the uh, kind of calling tactics, which is something that Usagi needs. She has <laughs> other people to help her fight. She needs someone kind of standing in the back calling tactics. Right. Um, let's see. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no. I mean, like Luna, Luna, does, Luna does what she does very well. Yeah. And it, it's the role she needs to take. Alright, so, uh, Mamoru opens up his jewel box and, uh, gets a visit from Jadeite, Nephrite, Kunzite, and Zozite. Uh, they tell him the, they that they sense a time warp around the malefic black crystal earring, but can't give him any firm answers. They tell him to protect the princess with his power. Mamoru remarks that his lack of powers makes him wonder why he was even reborn. Kunzite vaguely reassures him by saying he and Usagi will become king and queen. Yeah, I had to actually go back to the manga to see if this really happened, because I did not remember this scene at all, even a little. Uh, again, because the four of them never had uh, this redemption in the first series, only in the manga, uh, this whole thing wasn't included. So I had, I really had to go back and look on this uh, to see if this was a real thing that happened, or if they were just kind of inserting more of these four like they had uh, in Dark Kingdom. But it was kind of nice to see Mamoru questioning himself and what he can do for Usagi. I remember a lot of the problem that uh, me and Rachel had growing up with Mamoru in uh, the first series was that we were never really able to feel how deeply Mamoru cared for Usagi. It wasn't shown quite as clearly, I think. Uh, but he, he's a lot more uh, compassionate towards her and Crystal and a lot more... Uh, 
kind of openly emotionally invested uh, in her and wanting to protect her. Um, so it, it was good to see him kind of question, like, well, I mean, I'm just a guy with a cane. What can I do? Huh, that's interesting. I never would have thought that about the original series, but interesting. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the fact that he questioned himself or, or, or had the self-doubt, too. And that, um, Like, that's probably one of my favorite things about this episode. Because it's something I've been wondering, too. Like, what's what's this guy's deal, you know? Uh, let's see. Uh, so, um, whoa, jumping way ahead <laughs> um, through, like, a quarter of the episode. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so Mamoru hits uh, Rubius as he's about to kill Usagi and Chibusa. Uh, then he hears a voice, mysterious voice, telling him to concentrate and attack Rubius, uh, who's gathering a powerful fire attack. Mamoru shouts... Tuxedo the Smoking Bomber! And blasts a white energy from his hand that blows through Rubius' flames and hits him. It, it's nice to see Mamoru with some power of his own. I can't remember if he ever had this attack in the first series. Uh, but I feel like him smashing Rubius in the face with his cane was probably the more impactful moment here. I mean, there, there was such impact in it, and it just made Rubius so angry. A lot more than Smoking Bomber, which just kind of neutralized his attack. Like, Ruby's like, you hit me in the face <laughs> with a stick. Oh, man, Tuxedo Lost Smoking Bomber is such a great, like, old Sentai-ish attack name, though. Yeah. What a great <laughs> name for an attack. Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, like, I had to double-take that. Uh, a few times before I re- like could accept that the fact that that was the name. That's that's so good. Um, I don't know if this is a good time to point this out, but I'm gonna anyway. Um, in one of the Sailor Moon musicals, uh, he was Tuxedo Mask was played by uh, both uh, Common Rider Garen and Common Rider, I believe, Jay. Oh, really? Yes. Wait, they were both in the same musical? Yes, for reasons. Okay, that's that's fine. Reasons that I think will become apparent next episode, so I probably should have saved this. Okay. But I thought of it right now because we were talking about old, like, Sentai-ish, old, like, Showa, Showa attack names. Huh. Well, that's so pretty that, cool. So that made me think of it, but yeah. So there, there's some overlap there, and I've never quite gotten over uh, Amano Kose playing Tuxedo Mask. I've seen I've seen one musical number between him and Usagi from that musical and it's pretty hilarious. Like unintentionally. It's a like a big romantic moment between them, but I'm just like Yeah, no, you're common writer, Darren. <laughs> I can't take you even the least bit seriously because I know you too well. Uh, I really love your uh I don't know, fixation or, or fascination with him. It's it's really great to hear about. Oh, I have I have a huge dumb crush on Amano Kose. I openly admit. Well, there you one go. Of, one of the photos from one of the common writer. I think the the missing ace photo book. Uh, I have a photo of him from that as the lock screen on my phone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right, so moving back to Sailor Moon. Um, Chibiusa gives back the uh, brooch. And uh, Sailor Moon saves Venus by killing Calaveras with Moon Princess Elation. Yeah, she she saved Venus. I don't know if I could have dealt with, really dealt with uh, 
seeing Usagi have to take the blow of losing the last of her friends. That would have that like that would have crushed her, and that would have been so hard to watch. Yeah, that would that would have been pretty rough. Uh, so Usagi asks uh, Chibiusa why she stole the brooch and the legendary silver crystal, uh, which is in there. Remember, and yep. uh, Chibiusa responds that she was trying to use the 20th century and the 30th century legendary silver crystal together to try to uh, protect the Earth of the 30th century. Future girl. Yeah, we're getting a lot of neat 30th century stuff soon. I assume next episode, because we saw Pluto in the episode preview, so I think that's right where this is going. So, remember back in uh, back in Dark Kingdom where you were saying that you wanted to see stuff that happened to everyone in the future? Yes. Yeah, you're gonna. Okay, cool. Next, next episode, I think. Alright, I'm down with that. We're getting all uh, kind of what happens to everyone beyond our current present timeline. Huh. I wonder if um, Damon's thing about, like, are they using the power to stay youthful is going to come to fruition, and it turns out that, like, you can do that with the Legendary Silver Crystal, which I would never have imagined. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it it kind of grants that power to kind of everyone in rule under it. That's how uh, Queen Serenity and the people of the moon originally uh kind of stay youthful, and I think uh, Beryl had brought that up briefly in her weird little tirade of why she hated the moon. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, so let's see, moving on to the frills. Um, uh, actually, hold on, that doesn't work. That first one I put does not fit there. Anyway, uh, so um, somehow Mamoru knows that the Malefic Dark, or what the Malefic Dark Crystal is. Uh, I despite it not being identified by uh, the Black Moon folk. Yeah, did Pets... Pets never mentioned what it was when she was doing her weird thing? Because, uh, I mean, I know they recognize it as her earring and what she was using. You know what? But I can't, maybe, I can't remember if she called it by name. She may have, like, touched it and said, like, the power of my mother, but, but I didn't remember that. I thought if she'd said that it was, like, when she was on her own, like, on that rooftop with all her, her drones. Yeah. Her droids, whatever. Yeah, so she she may have said it. Maybe. Um, so let's see. Uh, Artemis sends Luna a specimen holder by teleportation um, to take Pets's uh, Malefic Dark Crystal earring for further examination. Magic Moon technology at its finest. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't then like teleport it back to Central Command instead of making Mamoru like carry it all the way to Usagi's house. I mean, I guess other than like moving the plot forward by having Chibiusa freak out about it, but which then caused her to be too upset to really talk about things, and then, you know, Usagi has to deliver her ultimatum, plot tension. But it just, they're like, okay, well, we're going to examine this earring and see what this does, and maybe we can maybe use it to do something to help the others, and then they never really do that. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe it only goes one way. I don't know. And... I don't know, I don't know. So, anyway. Um, oh, that's what happened. I didn't I didn't delete all these. My mistake. Sorry. Sorry, listeners, you're that's getting fair. the curtain peeled Edi- back. Editing notes on the fly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, at Juban, um, Naru tries to cheer Usagi up. Uh, Umino comes along, and the three go to watch a channeling video on which Calvers is being interviewed and channels Rubius of Black Moon. The message is that Black Moon is coming to guide humanity. Usagi is upset and tells her friends that Calvers is lying before leaving quickly. 
Uh, I, I, and I think the, the really important thing is what comes next. But I just thought it was interesting that this is kind of going back to um, <coughs> stuff that happened. Calaveras' plot and ploy kind of goes back to the style of Dark Kingdom, and I just find that yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's also, I think we may have touched on this with Berthier, where... I don't remember, I don't think Pets did it because she had the virus, but all three of them, Cone, Berthier, and now Calaveras, are regarded as like national celebrities or worldwide celebrities in their various fields. How did that happen? Oh yeah, that's right. That's weird. Like, you've only been here like twenty minutes. <laughs> Maybe did you just like she... brainwash the whole world? That's the only thing I can think. Already. Like, that, that's such a weird thing. Yeah, I totally just accepted it unblinkingly, so, I mean, worked on me. I mean, I've <laughs> I've accepted it unblinkingly until now. I know in the first series, Berthier was still some kind of, like, international chess champion. So, and I mean, I just accepted that up until now, but, like, that's so weird. How did they, like, get that notoriety? Yeah, I don't know, and it's funny, because that's kind of Dark Kingdom-ish, because, you know, I think Nephrite impersonated that uh, that blonde woman who was saying, was, you know, hypnotizing people yeah. to find the legendary silver crystal, just like here. Um, so, that's kind of weird. It is a very Dark Kingdom plot, though. Uh, and it's unforgivable, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright, so, uh, this is like the real, the real good part. Um, Naru is sad that she can't help her friend. For some time, she's known that Usagi has a part of herself that, uh, Naru just can't see or get to, but she has steadfastly tried to help her friend anyway. Naru is the actual sweetest thing on the face of the earth, and I, I have probably mentioned it before, but she really is. She knows there's nothing more she can do. She doesn't know what happened, she doesn't know why. But she knows Usagi's involved in something way beyond the realm of what she can handle. And I mean, she did, she was the one first attacked by Dark Kingdom. So I don't, she couldn't remember that, I think, but she still had to be aware of that to some degree. And I mean, she's still trying to be the best friend she can be under whatever circumstances are going on. And even though she can't really help, she's just like, she just wants to cheer Usagi up a little and try and make it easier for her to get through what's ever going on. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just, uh, I, I want, I'm going to skip the point about Calaveras, I think. Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, we touched on this earlier, but I'd like to, you know, discuss it a little more. Uh, Venus uses her rolling heart vibration attack, um, which has no effect against the apparitions of the three dead Spectre sisters, channeled through Asanamu, Naru, and um, Ray's classmate, whose name I can't remember. Did she have a name? I thought like they made a point to say her name once in the episode, like, "Hey, I'm the president of this club." Oh How yeah, they, they may have, but yeah. <clears throat> it, it escapes us. <laughs> um, you know, but then Calaveras uses her sister's power with um, her own. Uh, to attack Venus and taunts her that she'll soon die while Rubius gets Usagi and Chibiusa. Yeah, in checking back for the Mamoru scenes, I, I passed through this uh, possession scene, and man, in the manga, it's even rougher because Calaveras channels uh, Amy Ray and Mako first. Oh no. Or like, at least an illusion of them. 
before revealing it to be her sisters and then attacking while Minako is distracted by these visions of her friends. Right. But man, what a weird coincidence that these three people connected to the story who would definitely not know each other even slightly, complete strangers that have never met, would all sit right next to each other in this big crowd. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> What a coincidence! You know, is I was so hooked into the like paralleling in the on the story level that I didn't even recognize how ridiculous it is that they would be sitting next to each other. It, that is totally dumb, but I think it the. Is. I mean, like it's it's on on like a symbolic level, it's so great that it's forgivable. Oh yeah, because it's just like it has to be these three, and for all we know, Calaveras might have brainwashed them into moving near each other. Over the course of her speech, who knows what? Like specific, because she she would have known they were coming. So she she would have moved the three of them toward each other to do to do this thing. So, I mean, it's forgivable. You can kind of hand wave it in in a lot of ways, but it, just like if you look at it from an outside per- like outside the store, it's like wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely the sentimentality just worked on me, and I, I didn't even care. Um, and then I was really happy. We didn't even see the full attack, but uh, when Sailor Moon shows up, she breaks Calaveras' attack with a Moon TR boomerang, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, by this point in the story, we're really not seeing the, the Moon TR boomerang much, because Usagi's just gotten so many other more powerful attacks. But it, it's just so nice to see a good throwback to that. I want to see her beam again, her twilight beam or whatever it's called. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, man. They need, Forehead laser. They need to have another nighttime fight, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, you should ask me what the best line of the episode was, and I can respond. So, what was your best line of the episode this week? It was definitely um, Mamoru's Tuxedo La Smoking Bomber. Um, it, was, it was great. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm... Two weeks in a row, I'm backing you up on this one. That's such a great attack name. I I just can't get over his, like, really Showa attack. <laughs> I even I, love the pose, too. It's such a yes. cool pose. I mean, it's it's dumb. Again, that, that's also really Showa. I mean, he wants to be a common Rider. I think he does. Well, I mean, come he on. Does. That's why he's masked. It's true. <laughs> he, he was aiming for it. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, um, it's funny. Uh, one, I guess, black mark maybe on the episode. Well, there were two. I think Venus made like a really weird face at some point. Um, yeah. And like, it, Mamoru's mask went all white for a couple seconds. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I think I was so distracted by <laughs> this beautiful Showa Showa Rider attack. Right. Yeah, it is so cool. It's, I don't know, I, I hope we see more of it in the next episode. I, I kind of feel like we won't, because um, it seems like Takuchi sometimes like peppers in cool things like this, and it's just like, well, we're going to leave that, because we're moving on to bigger and better things. On, yeah, on to other stuff. Um, we may actually not even get a fight next episode. Whoa. We, we may or may not, I can't remember. I don't um, care, but that would be really interesting. We're, we're going to be getting a lot of story coming up. Oh, boy. I wonder how long my notes are going to be then. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interesting stuff coming up in the future. All right. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. 
Well, a, thing I, a thing I just thought of, doubling back on my whole uh, Kamen Rider Sailor Moon double crossing over and, again, into Wizard. Uh, the third mage, I can't remember his name, the, the guy played by Todoroki from Hibiki. Yeah, his name is... Uh, his name is something. I used to know it, and now I've forgotten. I'm mad. I did it. I did at one point, but I usually just call him uh, Dad Todoroki. But his wife was uh, Sailor Moon in the live action in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Oh, very cool. The, the Tokusatsu Extravaganza show that Toei yes. also produced. Huh. Uh, I haven't watched, sadly, yet, but I'll get there one day. <laughs> just, like, but, uh, just like I'll watch the 90s sub or the, the English dub of the 90s show at some point. Yes, don't, don't watch the original English dub. It is bad. I mean, it has a very special place in my heart because I grew up with it from the time I was seven, but I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone who is coming into it now when you have the options of literally every other part of the franchise, including a new dub. All right, and on that up note, I think we should say goodbye. That's it for uh, episode 18. Yes, Vibrating Hearts, because that's what this... Uh, I mean, I think another reason I named it that is because I feel like there's a lot of uh, emotions going on in, the, in this episode, and yes, it, it works. This was a very, very emotional episode. Alrighty, well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I don't know, catch us next time. Give us some comments. Comments would be good. We like yeah, comments. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what you think of the show, of Crystal, of more things you'd like to hear us talk about? Sure, that would be good. Any, anything, really. Just talk to us. <laughs> Alright, and that is it for now. Goodbye, listener. Later, everyone. Oh,